bringing in of the new year, I may be thinking of many things. I think back on God's past mercies to me and to us for the past year and years gone by. God's blessing for so many. And I think of the future, uh, I think of the future glory that the believer is going to enjoy, the things that we have to look forward to in Christ's coming. And this will be much longer the lines of last year's message. If you recall, last year we looked into these things, the, the coming of Christ and the believer's estate. But first of all, it's imperative that I stress this, that while the world out there, the religious world that you spoke of, is looking for heaven and looking for some kind of carnal utopia that they can just thoroughly enjoy themselves. And if, if this would have been the average so-called church, the song you would have heard have been much about mama and leading her in heaven and things like that. But to the true believer, to the true believer, Christ is heaven. He is what makes uh, this fellowship we have here on earth a little taste of it, a foretaste of glory to God. We're not looking for golden streets or pearly gates, but we're looking for Him. Him who saved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. And we're looking to see Him as He is, face to face, like we read about. Face to face. I want to see Him. I want to really see Him. See what He looks like. I want to hear His voice. I really want to hear His voice as He is. I want to see Him. Like Job said, I want to see Him. My eyes. I know I will. I know my Redeemer living. And I'll see Him the latter day on this earth or in heaven. And we're looking to know Him, to know Him, get to know Him better. And that's what this life is all about. This life is preparation uh, to meet Him, to meet Him over there. This is kind of like a getting acquainted period here. We're being introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. And we're growing in grace and in the knowledge of Him right now. We're getting to know Him. Oh, thou might know him, Paul said. We're getting acquainted now. We won't have to be introduced over there. We'll know him when we get there. We'll know him. But right now, we're being introduced. We're learning a little bit more about him every day. Heaven is the dwelling place of all those who look or seek him. Who look for him. Heaven is the dwelling place for all those who look for Christ. Christ is not for those who look for heaven. Christ is not for those who look for heaven. But Christ is heaven. Heaven is the place for those who look for Christ. In Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and give righteousness and all these things that he had unto you. seek Christ and you get the part of it. <laughs> you seek the biscuit. That's the rest of the gravy, right? The bread of life. So look at Revelation 21 with me. That, that needs to be uh, established from the outset that uh, unless you're looking, unless you know Christ now and love with Him now and taking up with Him now, uh, heaven is not not going to be your uh, your destination. So we're not looking for heaven. We're looking for Christ. All right. Revelation 21. Let's read the first verse. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. He says, I saw a new heaven. Now, that's not talking about the heavens that God gives in them. It's perfect without sin. I'm going to remake that. It's talking about the firmament that surrounds this earth. The, the heavens that we know of. The heaven, the atmosphere above the earth. You'll notice there in verse 1, he said, there's no more sea. He specified that. There's no more sea. The sea is what establishes or keeps this atmosphere going. Right? The sea is that replenishing water that we that must replenish the atmosphere we live in to give it moisture and give us oxygen and so forth. There'd be no more sea, there'd be no more need for a heaven or a ozone or what have you. Christ is the water of life. Christ is our life. Christ is our air. Christ is our life. The spiritual life in him. There'd be no need for an atmosphere as we know. And I Speculated a little bit last year, and I believe it's holy speculation that uh, you know we used to sing that old song. Uh, I'm looking for an unclouded day. Remember that? It will be an unclouded day. Well, won't be in need for clouds. We'll be able to see far as the eye can see into God's beautiful creation. All clearly see all the celestial creations of God. There'd be no need to hide it. We'll, be, we'll know it as we can know. And then he said there'd be a new earth. A new earth. An indescribably beautiful. And I'll not even attempt it. <laughs> you just have to see it yourself. A beautiful place. A, a, a habitation for God's sons. God's sons. Everything holy, lovely, glorious. Uh, the promised land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey. And it'll be a land of all the enjoyments and pleasures that we can have to be had for There's nothing wrong with those things. We're thinking about it. And we're looking forward to that. But, verse 2. And he says, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He says, I, John, saw and in verse 3, he says, and I heard. I, John, I'm thinking about maybe preaching on this uh, Sunday morning. I, John. I, John, saw. I, John, heard. And if you'll notice back in uh, chapter 1, it says that I, John, he says John was in the Spirit on the Lord today. And he heard and he saw some great things. He heard and he saw some great things. A man or a woman 
for a young person who is in the Holy Spirit on the Lord's day. That, that's everybody. But a man or a woman or a young person who is uh, under the influence of being led by the Holy Spirit will see and hear some things other people won't see and hear. And they'll be looking for it. And he says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. The holy city, Jerusalem. Now, he's not talking about here. He's not talking about a, a dwelling place, a city. What he's talking about here, what this means is God's people. God's people. He says they'll be as a bride. You see that? Prepared, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This will be the Lamb's wife, spoken of in chapter 19. The Lamb's wife who has the white garments and so forth on. It says God's people are called the church. God's people are called the church, and the church of God is called the city of God. This is talking about people coming down. God's people coming down from God. That's significant. Coming down from God. This is God's creation. Uh, God's people. He predestinated God. Like Whitfield said, God thought it, the Son, uh, the Son uh, bought it, and the Holy Spirit brought it. God, it's God's creation. He did all the work. He built. He is the architect. He is the master builder of this thing called salvation, the city of God, Mount Zion, the city of the people of God. It says here that they were prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A bride adorned. For her husband. Now, uh, our adornment is not our own works, as many would say. Our adornment is not our own beauty or our holiness. It's not our doing at all. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, the Scripture says. No, because we're like Ezekiel's child that was found in that field, weren't we? Polluted in our own sin and corruption when the Lord Jesus Christ came by. In a time, his time, God's time, a time of love. And he said to us, live. And then he did all those things for us that that child had done for us. Washed it in water. Washed with God's Holy Spirit, the water of his word. Anointed with oil. Clothed with broidered work. That's the righteousness of Christ. Shod, shod with the preparation of the gospel. Girded, vexed, adorned, sanctified. Beautiful before God Almighty. Beautiful before God Almighty, but not my own. We're made perfect through His covenant. Made perfect through what He has done for us. But it's as a bride, this city, this people of God, are as a bride adorned for her husband. And God is the one who does the adorning. He bedecks His people. A bride adorned, predestinated, prepared before the foundation of work. It says here she's coming down. Look at that. A bride coming down from God out of heaven. Now, there's the visible church right here. You see the visible church, the militant church, and that's what some of you are call it. The ones that are still in the battle. And then there's ones that are perfectly at rest now, no longer in the warfare. There's one in heaven, the church in heaven, and the church on earth. Now look back at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which is 1 Thessalonians 4. And I'll be brief. But the church in heaven shall come down to meet the church on earth. Here's what 
was indicated here. At Christ's second coming, uh, the church in heaven will come down to meet the church on earth, those who are still left, and we'll all meet Christ in the air, and then we'll be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye, we'll be given new bodies, new bodies, while God destroys the old earth and creates the new one, and He gives us new bodies and prepares us to put us on that new earth. Somebody said earth is just a dress rehearsal. The second advent, when Christ comes, is permanent clothing. We will put off this uh, mortality and put on immortality. Put off this corruption, put on incorruption. First Thessalonians 4, look at verse 15 through 17. Now this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord himself, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, or that is, go before them which are asleep, those that have already died. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, those who have died first, they shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, where will we be with the Lord? Well, I've already told you. We'll be on the new earth. Look back at the text here. And then John heard something. John saw this going on, uh, this, this future event, and then he heard something. He said in verse 3, And I heard a great voice, a great proclamation, a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with me. I wish I could just say that like it was like John heard it. Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God is with me. The dwelling place of God. Wonder of wonder. Mystery of mysteries. Glory of glories. That the God who dwells, who does not dwell in the temples made with hands. That the God whom the heavens cannot Contain. The heavens of heavens cannot contain. God made himself a tabernacle, a place to stay. And he is still in it today. You know that? <laughs> He's still in it. A permanent dwelling place. A place where finite, limited, fleshly creatures like you and me can see. Nobody can see God in me. Not God in his in his pure essence. He's a consuming fire. We can't sit. So God made a tabernacle. Just like the old tabernacle in the wilderness, you know? God made a place where the Shekinah glory of God would be seen and man could go in there and get a glimpse of it. Man could talk to him. Man could see something of God. Could feel God. That's what John said. That, that which we've seen, that which we've heard, that which we've handled. God made a tabernacle. Do I need to tell you his name? Or what that tabernacle was? Emmanuel, his very name means God with us. Jesus Christ, God with us, God in human flesh, the tabernacle of God with me. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And he will someday, it says here in the verse 3, someday he will permanently dwell with us, ever least. 
says, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now, John was foreseeing this. The tabernacle of God is with men. The Lord Jesus Christ is with men. And He, see that? It's talking about a person here. He will dwell with me. He will dwell with me. And they shall be His people. Sinners. And that's His son of God. They. Who's the they? Well, all those that Trust Christ. Those who have been saved by His grace. Only sin. And they will be His people. And it says here that God Himself shall be with them. Be there. God Himself. We used to sing a song, What a day that will be. What a day that will be. When I say Him, I will see. When, I, when He takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day. Glorious day. And God Himself will be their God and be with them. And look at verse 4. I like this. Those of you who sad and sorrowing, suffering to the dead. Verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Do you know that comfort is relative to to the comforter. Comfort is relative to the comforter. In other words, for someone to rightly comfort me or comfort you, he's got to be able to really give you some comfort. And I don't mean somebody who can just sympathize with me or somebody who can just empathize with me. I've got to have some. If I want some real comfort, I need somebody to do something about my problem. I need somebody to get rid of the cause of my sorrow. No, comfort is relative to the comfort. He's got to be able to do something about what I'm saying about. Right? Is he able? Is he willing? Yeah. Well, look at it. Here's how he does it. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there'll be no more death. No more death. Now, death, the, the, the sting of death is sin. Death is caused by sin, isn't it? Somebody said death stung itself to death when it stung Christ. The stinger's gone. Christ said, I've been there. So if you ever get stung by a bee, you know, uh, that bee can't hurt you again. Well, death stung Christ. And he came back from it. And he said, it's all right. I've been there. I've conquered. Death, death is separation. If you've had your loved one, any of your loved ones uh, depart this life, any of you, not most of you have. It's separation from those you love, isn't it? And it causes great sorrow. Because you perhaps you never had before. Great sorrow. It's a departure. It seems sometimes like so final though. But Christ delivered us from so great a death. So great a death. Separation from God Almighty. That's the greatest separation sorrow and personal labor spirit. Christ delivered us from so great a day separation from God. And had doth deliver us, even now. And I trust Paul said that he will yet deliver us from so great a day. Death is swallowed up in victory. Scripture says. Christ's victory. And his resurrection from it. His resurrection. He rose from the grave. Now look, look at verse 4 again. It says there should be no more death. Neither sorrow nor pride. No more sorrow nor pride. God is going to 
like the way all chicks do. Anything and everything that gives me sorrow and it causes grief and tears right now, there'll be no more to ask. What is it? Whatever it is that causes you problems right now, causes you to weep, causes you to toil, trouble, tribulation, uh, uh, persecution, uh, whatever it may be, there'll be no more to ask. God will be away with you. And look at this. No more pain. Neither shall there be any more pain. No more pain. And you know there's more there's more pain there's more pain than just physical pain. Some of us haven't perhaps haven't been through a great deal of physical pain, but perhaps you've been through a great deal of mental anguish and pain. And sometimes that's harder than, than physical pain. Mental pain. A painful conscience. I have a painful conscience. My past hurts me. None of you. The present hurts me. Well, my sins hurt me. They pain me. Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul said, who shall deliver me from the pain of myself? What causes me the most pain? Christ. That's it. He put it all away. He did put it all away. All those sins that caused me so much pain. Painful memories. I've had pain of body. We'll put that away too. Put that away. Have a, we'll have a new body fashion just like his, without without pain. And look on, read on. He says, For the former things have passed away. The former things have passed away. And we saw last year, Isaiah 65, 17, says the former things shall not be remembered, nor even come to mind. You won't even think about it. You won't even come to mind. All forgotten. This old world and everything about it, forgotten. So near the back. Sorry, Verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. He's a son of God, he's a holy thing, and God is preparing a new earth for him to dwell. A new earth where he'll dwell, where he dwelleth righteousness. And he says this, look at it, I like this. It says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Now you write that down, because this is true. It's faithful. It's true. It's a faithful saying, worthy of all expectation. He'll make all things new. He has made all things new. He is proven faithful. He says, You write this down, John. But this is as certain as my word. He is he's true to his word. You know the old saying is a man's own as good as his word. <laughs> well he calls himself the word. And he's as good as his word. And look at verse six. If this doesn't sound familiar. And he said unto me, It's done. Said done. They come back. He said, it's done. It's done. The eternal salvation of all of God's people was purposed by God and performed by Christ. It was predestined by God. It was purchased by Christ. Said, done. And he said, it is done. And he said that before, didn't he? He's hanging on the cross. He said, it's finished. It's done. It's done. Who says so? Who says that? The I am, verse 6. I am, Alpha and Omega. That's it. The beginning and the end. The author and the finisher. 
And he said, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freedom. And the only requirement that we need to meet is this thirstiness. Thirstiness. And the only requirement for this table right here is to see your need of the Lord Jesus Christ. The desperate need of Him. Thirsty. And it says here in verse 7, He that overcometh. Now who is he that overcometh? But he that believeth that Jesus is Christ. John said. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Faith in Christ. And I said before that that faith is merely believing that Christ is the one that overcame the world. He that overcometh, or he that believeth, Jesus is the Christ. He that trusts Christ, believes in him, looks to him, hungers and thirsts after him and his righteousness, shall inherit all these things. All these things. This new earth, this new heaven, this freedom from pain and sorrow and death, no more crying, former things passed away, exceeding joy, abundant joy, life everlasting. He that overcometh through simple faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ shall inherit all these things. They said, and I'll be his God. And he'll be my son. And we'll bless forever. Arm in arm. In that new place. I'll be right there. I'm setting up my tent. The tabernacle of God. With us. And his people will be there and he'll be their God forever. And we'll dwell with him. All right. Terry,